Greetings, listeners. This is Berkeley Roth. Welcome to the Coyote Den. Welcome to the Coyote Den. Today's guest is Travis Omen. Travis is a good friend of mine, and I'm excited to sit down and talk to him in a more formal manner than we usually do, although our conversations are almost always interesting no matter what we're talking about. Travis is a rapper, entrepreneur, recording engineer, graphic designer, and hip-hop community builder. He has developed, hosted, and performed at all kinds of hip-hop-related shows and events, Travis has been in multiple groups over the years, including two groups with me. These are the live instrument hip-hop group Midwest Mindset and the more recent Project Tribe. Travis has released three solo albums over the years and has a new album coming out in a couple weeks. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you could make it on here. That was some intro, man. Crazy to <laughs> to hear everything you've done in like a short list sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the stuff you've done is incredible. I know I left a lot on the list, but hopefully we get into some of it on here. Hell yeah. Now, before we get into the details of your new album, Nightmares 2, which I'm excited for and that we're mm-hmm. excited to talk about, talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, like, who is Travis Omen? The original omen. Uh, yeah, well, basically, like like you said, I, I wear a lot of hats, um, but just came up from Red Deer, um, always loved music, was always kind of performing at talent shows and everything, even as like a little kid. And then uh, that kind of developed into like what I wanted to do personally, you know, with music. So throughout middle school, it became like obvious that hip hop was going to be that that passion and uh, even started rating back then. But started recording in high school um and i think yeah i guess since way back like music's always pretty much defined what i do but i've also always had like a love for art and just creating um was never like the most crazy talented like painter you know artist drawing and stuff like that in that sense but i got really good at graphic design and uh, kind of learning how to create art uh maybe more digital ways so that's the other side of me and then um, everything else that's you know putting those two things together uh into one is kind of what makes me um yeah 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 you're kind of best of both worlds the audio and the visual yeah exactly and then you know recently getting into uh more on the visual side with video and editing and that's something that uh me and you have always kind of shared and and toyed with but uh I never really had like a, a great camera and I always thought maybe that was one thing that I could, uh, you know, leave to the professionals, but it's, um, something I've been really busy with recently and, uh, really enjoying. Yeah. So how did all this rap stuff start with you? Cause I know you were like full on rapping way before I really got to know you and I really got to know you fucking years ago. So like, <laughs> do you have any first, sort of memories or anything uh, that kick-started your interest in rap or like what what happened there how come it yeah, became like so a, like i said man it was like it, it was like day one like even like when i was little four years old waiting for my dad to come home from work i remember watching fresh prince of bel-air and just the intro rap on that was like oh that's so cool and um going through elementary was like big hearing biggie smalls like hypnotized on the radio and then through middle school when Eminem came out and I was like starting to get older and understand, you know, what the music kind of was a little more and uh, how much I liked it. Um, and then with, you know, artists like Eminem that was like, oh, crap, like white rappers can do this, too. And this is something that uh, I just found really cool at that point. And then in middle school, that's when I started writing. So I had a group with uh, he goes by Mike Assassin or Mike Bladesmith now, actually. Uh, Mike Assassin was our his like original name. And then uh, Skylar Durden, who used to go by. Uh, what was it? Relics, because that was oh, yeah. backwards. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we, we wrote a single together. I, I drew the artwork for it. And uh, it's funny because, yeah, that was middle school and basically I do the exact same thing today. Wow. Um, you know, making the, the single artwork and now producing and uh, recording and mixing, mastering and stuff, the, the beats. But that was kind of, I guess, my intro to it. It's just I was always a fan uh, of hip hop, always loved it. And uh, 
yeah, it didn't take me long before I got into actually doing it for myself. Yeah, you must have like really been taken with the wordplay and things of those guys because you're you're so clever with puns and rhyming and things. Where like where do you think your linguistic skill came from? Is that something that you always sort of had early on, or did you just learn that from rap? Yeah, no, I I kind of did. I I would say because like even in like elementary grade one grade two I, I just killed it at school especially with anything that was kind of linguistic and uh yeah I was never like as as I got you know into grades where it actually mattered uh I never was like straight A's type thing but um always did good in English and social studies and stuff where uh you know there's a lot of essays and a lot of words it's always always decent at rating and um I think though hip-hop is what made me connect like poetically so like that's that's you know what i think you know rating hip-hop's about is telling a story poetically and compared to like something like an essay where it's like you got to be so grammatically correct and there's so many things that you have to pay attention to whereas as hip-hop you just like let it flow and that's the one thing i really connected with and then artists like yeah like eminem or lupe fiasco or someone you know poetic like that that uh really inspired me to try to take that on in my own style yeah it seems like hip-hop for our generation allowed like the the poetry kids to mm-hmm. find somewhere cool to express themselves instead of like some Shakespearean institutionalized English class at the <laughs> totally totally and I for some reason even like I thought I was decent at poetry but it, I never got good marks in like random poetry uh, like assignments but uh, I always thought too I was like are you kind of like my rap like are you hearing what I'm saying or are you just looking at it at face value or like did the teacher even understand like it's kind yeah. of a, a hard thing for someone to judge, but it's just uh, high school behavior. But yeah, totally. I know, and I I wanted to say you're like, you must be naturally good at sort of language and rhyming and things. But it always frustrates me when people say that I'm naturally good at something because it sort of disregards the amount of work and dedication and practice that you put into a project or something. So yeah, yeah, it's true. I think I think it's like. For anyone to even want to do it, there's obviously like a innate like nature in them that that is good at that. But yeah, to get really good at it, like it's like anything. Even if I look at my designs from five years ago, like yeah, they're good, but you got to work on stuff really hard and and put a lot of hours in before you get great at something. And I think uh, even as we're getting like older, it's like I'm still finding ways to get better. And uh, even with music, I think um, people will be quite surprised about the new album compared to some of the old work. Old yeah. Works. Yeah. You always have so many projects on the go. What uh, what do you think it is that drives you to like constantly stay creative and bring things into the world? It's just it's just like who I am. Like I constantly want to create. And now, like I, I quit my job in May. Um, I was always working part time on durability, but never really took that kind of leap to go full time. And and now I'm just creating every day. So it's it's just in my nature, no matter what I'm doing, it's some sort of creative, you know, thing, yeah. whether it's making music or, or producing videos or trying to make beats or whatever it is. I just, yeah, definitely, I don't know what it is that, that drives me to do that, but that's just a part of me. And that's what, you know, gets me up in the morning is just like, what can I kind of creatively do today? And sometimes it's, sometimes it's nice when it's not about, you know, working for someone else, trying to do a, a job for a client. And, and sometimes it's just like a day for me to, get in the studio and record a song. Um, Like I think deep down, that's like my biggest passion is like when it's not so much work as it is like just creative, creating my own kind of content. Yeah. When it's like deeply personal almost and not just for some face value or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, but I'm lucky that like my job now is creative projects, no matter what I'm doing. So I'm I'm just, I've been on both sides and I know that uh, I could be in office all day or be in my, my own studio and uh, producing <laughs> yeah. and creating. So it's, that's awesome. No doubt. Now the process of writing a song, it, like modifying lyrics, getting rid of lines you don't want to keep, being mm-hmm. vulnerable, having the courage to say things about your personal life. And mm-hmm. even the process of like recording by yourself in a studio, it all, it all adds up to a work of art that is sort of deeply private and personal in its creation. But it's almost ironically a work of art that's then released out into the world for everyone to hear. And it's ultimately meant to like strengthen and develop connections between people. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if maybe this is the paradox of creation where it's 
it's almost like the more private and personal and into your own self that the creative creator goes, mm -hmm. the more relatable and connecting that work of expression ends up becoming. Totally. Yeah. That's super genius. And, uh, I don't know, like even I've seen someone like Picasso, like early works and versus his like late works before he died. And mm. I, I think it was like a self portrait type thing. And, uh, I think it was Picasso and the, the way his work gets so abstract and by the end, his self portraits, like, it's kind of terrifying and, and just dark and weird, but I kind of found that too, that it's like, he's getting deeper and deeper into his own like artistic creative mind. And like, this is who he thinks he is at the end of his life. Wow. Um, so maybe uh, we see some rappers do the same thing as time goes on where like, you know, works can get deeper and deeper. Uh, I think I strive for that. Um, yeah. I think you do too. I've been listening to um, your albums over the last few days, kind of going over them and just checking it out, getting excited for the new release. Mm -hmm. And like, even like your song on dreams come true. What's it called? The all alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that song because you sort of captured that exact fact that create creativity takes risk and vulnerability and especially mm -hmm. sacrifice. Yeah. Like, as you know, intimately being a rapper in Canada, it's like a yeah. tricky sell for anything above the underground. And you, uh, yeah. You express that on that song so good, talking about all the hard work and things you've sacrifices you've made to do this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that song or any other songs that sort of stick out? Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. all alone. Like my, I wrote that quite a while ago. I think uh, that could have been when I was living with you, but maybe like three years ago. Um, yeah. And it was just about just my actual dreams. Like I knew I was doing the the dreams come true as a concept album, and uh, so I was like, I got to do a song that really actually talks about my dreams. So every single little four bar scheme is just a reference to an actual dream I had. So it definitely gets personal. Um, and throughout the album, it's a lot of, a lot of personal like subjects, like deep, sweet dreams about my auntie's death. And that was the hardest thing ever to rate. Like every, I literally would rate four bars and like go ball in my room and then come back out and try to get four more done. And it literally went on throughout the whole track, but so Man, that song's hard to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I know but, uh, my my yeah. uncle, who actually I, I should have mentioned at the start, he really played a big role in getting me into music. He helped me download my first DAW, like Fruity Loops, and he was a producer uh, DJ in uh, in Vancouver back in the day. So oh, cool. He cool. he played a big role, but he he left me a voicemail the other day. That's like, man, I just heard that song for the first time. Like he didn't know, he didn't really know that was on the album, and. Uh, he yeah him too he's just like man i heard my sister laughing in the background and i just cried and just was balling grown man uh, balling so i think like yeah deeper it you know the deeper that song was for me it was even deeper for people hearing it especially people in my family so yeah and so many people can relate to that similar experience because it's so it's so human to go through that shit totally totally and yeah like all alone, it's it's funny because it's like it's kind of a sad song, but uh, there's just funny little bits in it that uh, I think yeah most people can relate to, and they're they're common themes that everybody has in their dreams. Um, what's the other song I'm trying to look through my uh, playlist here? But I know yeah deeper in the album, like the intermission, it gets it's just a lot about my my upbringing and kind of what we were talking about earlier, but just things like mm -hmm. my family and my uncle and my auntie and I don't know, super personal on the dream side, uh, the nightmare side of the album is definitely going to get a little more introspective, less about me and more about my nightmares and the darker side of the world, you know? Right. Cool. Yeah. Let, let's, before we get to your new release, let's talk a little bit about the writing process. Cause this is always what I find the most interesting about any creative person. Cause a good mm. song, any good work of art is almost like a magic trick where the artist sort of disappears for a while then emerges with this completed complex work of art. Um, so maybe we could break it down a little bit and totally. uh, pull back the curtain here. So like, what does your writing process look like? How do you, like, how do you even get started with an idea or a concept? How do you stick with it? And even, yeah. even like the, if you could explain some of the, almost some of the boring technicalities, like do you write out single lines with a pencil and a notepad do you do everything on your phone what do you what do you do kind of how totally to... it's it's definitely like changed throughout the years uh definitely started off with a notepad and a pen and just even trying to learn how to structure bars like you were saying was the tricky part mm -hmm. i found with rating that was tough because sometimes it's just hard to fit a whole line on a piece of paper like depending on what your lyrics are um 
for me, like at least more recently, I, I definitely just rely on my notepad on my phone uh, because I just found over the years that uh, I would lose so many lyrics. You know what I mean? I got all these lyric books at home at my parents' crib, I'm sure. But it's like with the notepad, yeah. it's on iCloud and it's it's always there no matter what. So if I have to go back through time and find something, I have it. So I just really like being able to rely on that. But I also, because I am kind of techie, like typing stuff out, I can write faster and I can easily go back and delete bars, you know, quickly. Um, mm -hmm. For me, when writing a song, like there's there's probably two methods that I would use but uh first would be like finding a beat or having somebody send me a beat but you just have to connect to it like there's no use and if you find a beat that just isn't hitting or someone sends you it and you're like yeah you want to hop on this and if it just isn't hitting if it doesn't like kind of speak to your soul you're not going to rate something good to it so the yeah. first step <laughs> find a beat that's going to work luckily working with guys like you and Jared and just the whole group like all the beats were always exactly the sound that we wanted you know what i mean and if it mm -hmm. wasn't you probably wouldn't have sent it to us so it's always always easy on that sense but now that i'm doing more solo stuff i, I do got to do a lot of digging and trying to make my own beats realizing that uh that side of things is definitely not easy I'm just trying to get a sound that you like um, yeah so big you know big part of it is just the beat itself and then you know it, with that being said you need to write to the beat and that's going to inspire the the melody and the flow um but on the other side i started writing like free writings walking around with my dog so that's where like i didn't have a beat to go off of i was just like man i'm spending a lot of time walking around outside i should probably use it to think of you know rhymes or something excuse me started happening kind of naturally so i would just start coming up with you know four or five bars at a time on a walk keep them in my head and then like go on the next the next walk the next day whatever the next night keep adding to it and i still do that to this day so i my last album the art of the free written it's all based on that like so i wasn't using a notepad on my phone for the most part i would i would you know once the bars were complete i jot them in my phone and once i started thinking of too many of them i realized i had to put somewhere to remember them fully but basically i work on one at a time until it's fully memorized in my head and then with those ones now i just got to find a beat that would be suitable you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's kind of a different a different method like when i'm doing that i'm not writing songs when i'm writing a song it's going to be like my something for the album it's going to be written to the beat with free rins it's like me freestyling uh but in a written form i guess it's a yeah. weird, kind of a, a weird way to do it but i really like that uh i really like to do it because like I'll, I'll think of rhymes in the shower i'll think of rhymes when driving i think of rhymes when walking my dogs and it's just like kind of that flow state that I'm not worried about song format. I'm just thinking of like what, what's on my mind right then and there, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. I listened to the art yeah. of the free written today. That album is amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. And, uh, and it, it's not a lot of production value. I don't like try to do too much. You know what I mean? It's just me just rapping, but uh, I don't know. I've, I've listened to it recently too. And it's like, man, I got a lot of crazy bars on this album, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I kind of, in one place, I really like that side of things, but I do value true songwriting more, especially, uh, mm -hmm. I guess, on the production side, seeing the back end of what's happening instrumentally and having that connect with the, the lyrics. Like, that's what uh, I really like more. But free written is something that's like, I'm going to put out a rap on TikTok or Facebook or wherever and just put it out just to see what people think. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I love the concept of the free written because... It's like you came up with this distinction between the pure off the top freestyle mm -hmm. and the prepared freestyle piece of writing. And then yeah. you just called the prepared piece free written because it's not a freestyle. It's actually written. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. I love Can't it because for so long. No, no, I love it because like for so long, it seemed like people were calling these pre-written prepared verses on radio shows and things freestyles totally which totally. was so confusing and misleading because often they weren't really true freestyles and as a viewer you're watching these guys and like making up all these clever lines right on the spot thinking yeah. that it's like off the top and as a young hip-hop fan that man that shit was misleading and then you start to learn oh they're not yeah, exactly prepared yeah. these or kind of memorized this beforehand and totally. so you've really like doubled down on that concept and i love the honesty of that and then the whole album came out of it which is phenomenal yeah and that's what i was going to say is like the, the pre-written thing versus the freestyle and in the like the true root of the word freestyle just meant free of style so like a lot of rappers get away with oh it's it's free of style i'm just doing what i've i've been doing with the the free written but yeah i think the oh, cool. way i classify it is more accurate and because freestyle 
you know, off the top of the dome type freestyle that became like so much more popular that that definitely took over the meaning of freestyle. So I think yeah. that you're right. Like a lot of radio rappers and it's like freestyle. It's like, no, it's not. And you could tell when it is. And I think like you have to be able to actually kick a freestyle off the top of the dome to mm-hmm. distinct when a rapper's doing that or not. And like yeah. how, you know, that's a skill of its own and a lot of rappers can't do it and that's fine. But like just then, yeah, for me to, if, if I was to say, Oh, these are all freestyles, I just, you know, I did think of them. I did, you know, jot them down or rate them in my head and then jot them down later and then call it that. I just couldn't live with that. So, yeah, that's where a free written came from in, yeah. my, in my mind. Yeah. 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 It's, it makes so much sense. It's such a helpful thing. And then mm-hmm. when it comes to actual freestyling and it's sort of pure off the top form, mm-hmm. you're also, that's a comfortable arena for you too. Hey. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's another place that I, kind of forget sometimes that's really where I started rapping like that's before we did any songs it was just like all right let's try to figure out a freestyle pretty much after seeing eight mile it was like okay people can just do this off the top let's try that and we just did it until we got good at it and you know how it is it's uh I don't know it's not like a dying art form but in our circle it's tough to get together for um for just true freestyles but we actually did that over the weekend for halloween and uh nice. it just felt awesome just that's a whole other all other topic um but i really love that side of things too yeah i i do too it seems to put the mind in like this flow state and the yeah it what amazes me is when you are kind of in the moment just rapping about things going on in the present moment around the room and picking up apart things and like yeah. when you bl- blow your own mind with some sort of crazy puns or wordplay or st- flow totally. structure. That's like one totally. of the best feelings ever. Yeah. It, and it, it almost feels like, like it's separate from you. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's the true flow state for sure. And that's yeah. why they call rapping flowing, I guess. But even like capital D was over. He's another rapper. People should look out for, uh, he's on the true ability yeah. label with, with us. And, uh, he doesn't freestyle ever because he gets in his own head and he's like, no, I, I just, he's better at rating raps and performing those, but he definitely started freestyling with us. And, uh, I, I told him like, man, you can't like, don't look around and think of your next rhyme and what you're going to say, but, like, bro, you got to get in the flow state, meaning just let it flow. And like, just, you got to just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. Funny, it's tricky. Yeah. You got to be one of the best around, at least in Alberta. Best Probably one of the best I've ever heard, but I've got to see you in your sort of most comfortable, intimate settings too. It's a different, yeah, it's a different a story when you're yeah. on stage, put on the spot. <laughs> totally a factor. Yeah. No, it's uh, well, thank you, man. But uh, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of good freestyle cats, but I know yeah, put me in front of a campfire with those same dudes and I can, I can definitely hold my own. Oh, totally. Totally. Okay. Now freestyling is an amazing topic. I'm sure we could go on about it, <laughs> yeah, like especially when it comes topic, to yeah. altered states of consciousness and flow yeah. states and everything that comes along with that. But yeah. before we get carried away, let's, uh, we better talk about your new album release, Nightmares 2. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit about this newest project of yours because it's sort of complex in so many ways. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, basically the concept was I was going to write an album called Dreams Come True, originally True for True Ability. So TRU. And uh, this started like five years ago when when we were living in 1313, which uh, for those that don't know, that's the name of the Midwest Mindset album. That was our band house, 100-year-old house, super, super funky and cool and kind of dark and weird. And uh, it was a very <laughs> inspiring place to live and to create. But that's when um, I started rating this album. And halfway through the songs I was rating and, and recording, I was like, man, all my songs are about nightmares. So I was <laughs> sitting there, I'm like, dreams come true but they're all about nightmares so then it hit me and i was like oh nightmares too i'm like i'll make like the sequel to the album dreams come true and then nightmares too and then basically ended up like oh i gotta make more songs about dreams and that you know leads to what we talked about earlier but uh so there's two sides to the album so how i'm how i'm doing it is putting it out as one cd with basically two kind of eps uh, eight or nine tracks on each side so kind of a a double album in one but without doing like a big two disc thing because i don't think anyone's done that since tupac died but (laughs) uh but um yeah so the nightmare side like again it started i just released a song last week called uh trapped paralyzed and that was recorded in 13 13 five years ago but i sat on it for so long because i knew that it was a big part of the nightmares project and just uh yesterday i just announced this uh campaign i'm doing on indiegogo to release the album um 
and you know that's kind of another topic too aside from the music is uh how i'm putting it out but yeah two yeah. albums one disc and uh it's it's not actually coming out just yet because what i'm doing is crowdsourcing to raise the funds to release the album so like if you backed this campaign you'll get the physical copy long before you ever see it online because i'm still going to release single after single uh starting what i just did over the weekend and i'm going to do like at least one a month probably uh for the next five months until the, the album's out online nice yeah yeah let's talk a little bit about the campaign because it's so cool how it's structured and and totally. everything and uh, i'll make sure i post the link to everything in the uh show notes here totally yeah so it's uh it's through indiegogo which is a, a crowdsourcing campaign which uh, basically just means like it gives a platform for artists and entrepreneurs whoever to um kind of sell the product before it's even made or released um depending on where you fall in that uh line of production but like my album's ready to be made but I'm, I'm on indiegogo to get people to pre-order basically to raise the money to put the album out so mm -hmm. um i think a lot of people they see they see campaigns like this and it, they, they think of it like a gofundme where you're just donating to someone's cause which is cool but it's not really like that you know it's more of a contribution you're you're prepaying for the album you're paying for the merch you're um you know you get a lot of different options on what you're going to pay for and of course you're you're helping that artist out and you know that um this might cost you more than face value that you know as to what you pay at a show or something but the reason people are willing to back you and support you is uh because they know how important it, important it is and like for instance I, I put dreams come true out in may the first side of the album um on its own on spotify after releasing signals for about you know half a year and I put a pre-order option. I put merch options on the website and I advertise it exactly like I'm doing the Indiegogo, but I got like, I got no, no orders, no pre-orders until two, three months later, one of my buddies, he's like, yo, I'm going to support you. And he just went online and bought pre-ordered the album's merch. And then my uncle, same thing. He heard that uh, song and was like, oh, I didn't even realize like pre-ordered the album and some merch, but I got two nice. orders. Yeah. So it's cool, but it, it's such a weird psychological thing that like, I could put an album out and promote it to people just the same exact way I'm, I'm doing it now, but get very little response. But then if you do it with like a crowdsourcing element where like you kind of tell your story and why it's important to you and why you make music and have people really rally behind you and they know that you're working for a goal. And suddenly like it's, it's day two of the campaign and we're at $1,100 and that's, yeah. it's mind blowing because like, you know, as a musician, you can't make $1,100 doing anything in, in local music. <laughs> like it, it, you can't no. eventually go on tour or whatever, but um, it's so hard. Right. And this, it almost like it, it makes it easy, but it, it isn't because you got to really put the work into the album itself. You got to really put the work into the campaign and, and the structure of how everything, you know, looks and feels and that people are getting quality, you know, merchandise and stuff. So um, yeah. it's definitely a lot yeah. of work. It's not easy, but uh, it's so worth it. And just, having people rally behind you is just the most amazing feeling yeah having a like a sense of community that has your back that's mm -hmm. that's got to be amazing and once people find out how expensive this equipment is and how long mm -hmm. it takes to actually pull off these these albums and these songs and do these successful releases not to mm -hmm. mention the merch packages i saw on there you have it's it's phenomenal it's a lot of work and yeah yeah i think a lot of people don't realize how the countless hours that you put into all of this it totally yeah and that's where this album yeah, and it's, released it's, it over the last six months here yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been years yeah, totally no it takes it takes a lot of effort and uh you know we we did a, a successful crowdsourcing campaign um in 2016 i thought it was 2017 but i was looking through photos today and that was uh i love alberta peace which is an album you guys can check out it's the first yeah. uh, project tribe album basically but it was really a collaboration album and um that really changed things at least in my knowledge bank that uh that it was even possible because we raised almost ten thousand dollars and as a group we got you know at that point got you and and jared a lot more involved into what we were doing again as a group and uh that really helped fund the next album and the tours we did that year and the merch mm -hmm. and like everything we we had the money to do what we needed to do as artists without really digging into our pockets too much for like a year so that you know it's super super helpful and uh we're just yeah still very grateful for even that campaign yeah yeah it's cool and i i would love to see more more local support for this sort of things uh, across the board when it comes to art in general it uh, 
seems totally. like people so happily outsource their things. Yeah. But uh, as soon as something's happening in their own community, although I think that's changing over time here. So. Yeah, I know we've talked yeah. about that a lot where it's like not cool to like support the local dude because he's in your city. Like you already know him compared yeah. to like the dude that's popping off from another city, another town. And it's like, oh, he's he's going to be big. I want to support that guy. But yeah, it's it might it might be changing. You're right. Because um, just like the whole support local movement and people, I think, finally tuning into that. Like there's a lot more to life than, you know, what what you could buy on the Internet, and who you can support from the states and who's in the mainstream and i think people are kind of honing in to maybe like supporting what's real what's in front of them who's you know actually there for them who's going to be at shows in their city um so yeah maybe yeah. we see tides tides turn on that one especially as sort of the corporate music world gets more exposed and the yeah we've already seen failure of like supply chains and multinational yeah. corporations having monopolies over a lot of totally what we by um, local art is going to be one of the only things that's, <laughs> so that's locally sourced and real <laughs> yeah yeah it's so weird and uh i don't know you're making me think of a song concept or something like that i just thinking <laughs> of the supply but if this supply chain in hip-hop was cut off to the world the way that some of these ships are having you know problems loading in but like what if spotify went out and how how then did you support this artist like if spotify went down you don't even have your library of music that you pay 10 bucks a month for right like you don't physically own any of that yeah. so you know but music music changes so often and um we're in a weird creative space where i don't know how much you truly own a song anyways you know what i mean whether it was yeah. on a cd or a vinyl but um there's still just a connection to the physical, you know, whether it's a CD or a tape, or I think people will always like connect to that. And I think that's why vinyls are so big still, especially because they sound awesome, but. Um, yeah. And that's so them. cool how you're actually doing a physical CD, a physical mm -hmm. compact disc. I know. And it's, it's really <laughs> funny because honestly it, it would have been more useful to sell vinyls to people because like who, like I don't even have a CD player anymore because I got a new vehicle. They don't build them in vehicles. I have a PlayStation. That's what I, where I could pop it in. But like I explained in the, the campaign video is like, it's, it's not about um, being able to play the CD and that that's an awesome part of you get to throw it in your car. That's what, you know, I aim for because people put a CD in their car and it ends up just being their, their playlist when, you know, their phone's not connecting or whatever. They're on a long yeah. drive. They'll, they'll play that album, but um, it's about owning it and the artwork and just physically having something. It's just like a collector's item, like anything. And I think uh, CDs are kind of like, vintage at this point in that sense but i still like to collect them just to just to have them on the shelf and i think yeah. for me like I, I make sure the artwork is like a big part of that you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you'll see if you go onto the the campaign you get a, a sneak peek at the album artwork but the dreams come true was half of my face in kind of blue and um kind of heavenly mountain background very light blue colors um, but then the nightmare side is just the back side of the album so when you flip open the cardboard cases that we use um it'll all be one picture and it's my full face but then the nightmare side versus the dream side so i put a lot of effort into uh making you know even the the packaging and stuff part of the experience and not just the music yeah that's so cool yeah this yeah. whole album concept is so appropriate for you because i've never met anyone who talks constantly about having such vivid dreams <laughs> yeah it's like and you take your dreams so seriously and you remember them which i think for most people is almost impossible and yeah. because you remember them you're able to reflect on them and then talk about their meaning and significance and yeah make yeah, songs out of them yeah it's it's crazy it, it hasn't changed uh luckily though i've had a lot less nightmares um <laughs> they still they still pop by once in a while but uh i think there was a time when i started rating this album where it's i think it is you know too much partying and not really being in the best mental state and just the things i was doing with my life it was probably inducing of some of these nightmares but uh oh, wow. that you know some of the songs are just a reflection of that but it's cool to go back and be like oh man i was having like sleep paralysis and crazy nightmares with you know demons and shit and just very dark stuff but uh super scary but deep down like i'm a big horror fan i'm i'm, I'm a fan of a lot of the dark things so when I have the dream, I'm like, hell no, I don't want to experience this ever again. But going back, I'm like, oh, it's kind of exciting for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like dark things like that. But uh, it's almost like riding a terrifying roller coaster or something. You're, yeah. Scares yeah, the shit out of you while you're on there. But you, totally. for some reason, would. Would you go back? Yeah. Yeah, you'd go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I was just looking at the track list for nightmares and it's like, oh, man, some of these, some of the dreams I had. But, uh, 
yeah, it's just, again, for me, it's just another creative outlet. And that's, yeah, that's where the, the concept came from. Like you said, totally, totally suitable for me for my yeah. next uh, solo release. I can't wait to hear the Nightmares 2 album because you're, I don't know if I'm just a bigger fan of your darker stuff, but I think it's where like you sort of really shine on in your yeah. sort of those like darker, harder tracks. Yeah. I, I hope it's I'm full of those. Too, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It is. And it's, yeah, it's like, that's, it's tough because even like doing the dream side, like I said, again, it, it was almost an afterthought, um, even though that was the original title, but have, having to make songs that were more like dreamlike and kind of positive or at least storytelling, uh, definitely less dark, but uh, nightmares is when I can, you know, get on a harder beat and really, just go at it uh at most of the tracks are kind of like that there's there's some double time stuff uh some some storytelling some uh conspiracy type rap and just yeah, yeah it's nightmares man nice yeah I'm so when so, do you I'm think so it's going to be released are you waiting for your indiegogo campaign to sort of see how that plays out and then you'll be able to manage the release properly yeah i think in in my mind originally it was going to come out with the campaign so like it it oh, could have cool. been out yesterday or at least at the end of the campaign the end of the month but um i'm just some some of my uh hip-hop knowledge 101 is like release your stuff as singles especially if you have an album worth of stuff to release because mm. if you just put the whole album out you're going to get one chance to get on a spotify editorial playlist and you're going to have one single to promote and people are going to probably listen to that one song and then that's kind of it like it fizzles out if people don't really you know want to stream the whole album but you, you do the single game um you can get those tracks kind of the individual shine that they deserve as time goes on so basically like looking at it now i dropped trapped i'm going to drop there's a, a track called anxiety with me and deaf um nice. three four i'll probably do like five so let's say let's say five months from now i guess I, I don't have a definitive timeline on it um you know how releasing singles gets when uh yeah. <laughs> things get in the way and so on but the, the music's there it's definitely coming but it's another uh cool reason to support the campaign is because you're going to get the full album long before it's fully released on online on spotify oh very so, cool uh, yeah but I, i'm guessing uh by the time let's see it's just november december again yeah probably like probably february or march i'll put the whole thing out because I, I don't i still want to not put out every single song as a single and then be like, Hey, here's my album. Like, check it out. You've heard every song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll, yeah, it'll be like a good handful of the, the best stuff on there. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully February, March. So then your Indiegogo campaign, it like, there's different packages I saw on there. How does that sort of work? So there's like, there's, it's cool because you allow people the option to sort of support you at different levels. So you can, totally. Totally. Like yeah, I saw in there, which I wish I could do it, is do the be the producer of the whole album for like a thousand dollar contribution. And yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, somebody cool. somebody went for that last time, and uh, just a thousand dollar contribution to have your name written on the album. But uh, yeah. when you look at hip hop credits, it's it's funny because that's what the executive producer kind of did. He's like, hey, did he make the music? No. Like, did he rate any of the songs? No. It's like, no. He he paid for the album to get it. Yeah, you know he paid I mean? for so, it uh, totally. Yeah, so that's, you know, executive producer credit is that only one person can get it, but if they want their name on the album, that's, you know, at the very the very top of the list of uh, crazy uh, options, contribution options, but um, hopefully someone picks that up. It's a cool thing, but something yeah. for everyone, and I, I'm being, like, so stoked to get um, all these little contributions just for the album itself, the $20 for the CD um, and the autograph poster, because, like, if I yeah. could have 200 people do that compared to one you know, $4,000 option, whatever the math is, I might've been off there 400 or something, but um, that is really cool to me that like you can get all these little contributions that add up a lot instead of just that one really big one. Of course, yeah. uh, there, there's a price bracket for everyone uh, just based on like, you know, how much you want to support, how much you're able to support. Cause I'm sure everyone would like to be able to do as much as they can, but they don't have to. And that's the cool part. Um, and there's even an option uh, just automatically through the site to just make a contribution without getting anything out of it, which um, last time around, a lot of people chose that because they're just they're just wanting to support. They're not maybe into like hip hop music or care for a bunch of merch and stuff around the house. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. There, there's an option for that, too. But yeah, the, basically the merch packs like you can get the Dreams Come True shirt or the Nightmares 2 shirt and then the Dreams hat or the Nightmares hat. And uh, then I got I got some bonus items. So after you pick an item, you can get uh the COVID type mask, which uh, it's, it's actually pretty cool. I'm not like a big fan of 
having to wear masks and stuff, but it doesn't seem like that's going away. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it looks like a really uh, comfortable and like well-made mask with like a lot of kind of good features as far as uh mask goes. So I got, I got mine on order that should be arriving this week. Nice. Um, yeah. I heard you guys talking about those. I was looking for the masks on the campaign, but totally. Yeah. It's, hot. it's a hidden uh, add on perk. Um, I didn't really see a place for it originally. Uh, It'll kick in, in after you know. I make my contribution. I see. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nice. it's like the uh, you know the grocery store when you're already in the aisle and that there's little impulse buys. Yeah, yeah. So I got some impulse buys, but uh, I got the the dreams come true, nightmares two uh, pillow, and then also the blanket, um, which I thought was kind of sick just because of the whole concept of dreams and nightmares and what better yeah. place to to have those than with a nice blanket and pillow. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about true ability for a minute because this is aside from all of your music production and releasing albums and everything you're also basically running on like a record label yeah and uh, yeah. so yeah talk about true ability for a bit yeah basically like true ability has been my my company since 2013 I, I did a entrepreneur course i did graphic design course i did audio production courses so from all of that was like, Hey, what am I going to do, you know, for my business? And it's taken a long time to develop into what it is, but basically true ability is kind of the, the parent company and umbrellas into kind of four, four sides of things. So we talked about true music. That's, you know, the name I, I put towards now putting out these albums um, and not just mine, but everyone that's on the label as true music, true audio, similar name, but that's me as a, as a producer and engineer and a recording, you know, a recording engineer. So if you're in the studio working with me, that's the, the true audio side of things, um, which is something that uh, we're, I'm, I'm just so stoked to have like a six studio now and a, a separate room for the booth. And uh, from what we've came from, you know, in the corner of the, the living rooms and basements yeah. to where it is now, it's just a huge upgrade. It's still not like a high, highly professional soundproof studio, but it's, it's totally, good for what we're making as far as hip hop goes. And uh, it's funny with the, just the way technology's changed is like, you don't need, you don't need this crazy soundproof booth to get a good vocal recording. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not recording live drums and stuff anymore. So uh, yeah. that's true audio. Um, and then true design. This is uh, where my, my graphic design side of things kind of kicks in and been really busy with it. Um, basically I do logos, vector artwork, um, everything. And, and all of everything I do always kind of comes back to music. So like, I do market my design work to other artists. So whether it's like getting, getting logos for stickers and merchandise, um, album artwork, single artwork, it's definitely like my, the main thing I kind of aim towards, but I, obviously I do artwork for, for any company or person needing, you know, whatever they need. I pretty much do it all. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the design side of things. And then true motion. And that this is my new one because I only got my camera in December and it was kind of like a long time coming, but like, Okay, I gotta just do this, and yeah, I'm not gonna be able to record music videos on our iPhone for the rest of, of time. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> shout out to uh, the Fire music video. But uh, yeah. we did some we did some cool stuff with an iPhone and a gimbal. But it was time to you know step it up and got a sick camera. And now I'm really diving into the world of music video production and just learning over the year. I'm just getting so much faster and I think better at at what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, your videos over the last while are amazing. Yeah, yeah. If anyone uh, wants to check them out, like just trueability.ca, that's the website, T R U Ability, and uh, click True Motion. I actually have to update that page because I, I realize I haven't put uh, like a lot of the content that we haven't produced uh, as true music artists compared to some of the other artists that I've been working with. But um, I will be updating all that soon. And um, cool. I am working currently on a lyric video. So another side of things that uh, I'm somehow doing and it's just it's crazy the the artists i can't really release the the names and stuff yet it's kind of a surprise but yeah. um two two big canadian hip-hop artists that uh i really respect and look up to and they're definitely big like upcoming kind of names um and as well as uh well a third guy that's putting it all together who uh we've worked with locally and stuff so big shout out Very to him cool. i guess i guess i could say shout out to Braden bonnet but uh yeah i won't i won't leak uh, the surprise artist on yeah. it yet. <laughs> oh, but it'll I'll be okay sure i put I'll make sure I put trueability.ca in the in the comments below you know there. So yeah, and you'll see this find it. totally. And the site is broken down into those categories. So it's you know, if you're someone looking for some design work, you're not gonna be like bombarded with a ton of stuff about our music and uh, music videos. Yeah. So since COVID, have you been playing many shows lately or anything? Um. Yeah, it's been so tricky. Like 
<laughs> there was just a time where you couldn't, and then yeah. a time where you kind of could. I went, I got to go to a whale in the wolf show at least uh, during that time, but kept getting um, picking up and taken back to my seat because you weren't allowed to stand anywhere outside of your seat. <laughs> it spreads the virus that way. But um, jokes aside, but yeah, we, we got to do Hoodstock this summer, late, late this summer, um, which was like an outdoor event. So, uh, well, in like a tent, uh, and we're going to keep doing those every year. So, uh, if you hear cool. the name Hoods, Hoodstock next year, definitely come check that out and uh that's at boombox farms which uh is coincidentally the girl that's uh well family but the lady uh that runs it makes the merchandise and she's the one that i'll be going through to make all the, the true uh dreams come true and nightmares to merch um shirts and hoodies at least um very cool. but yeah shows where, where was i going with that i did I actually played a show uh randomly this sunday for halloween uh out in airdrie and they had nice. a cool little a scene going it reminded me a lot of us kind of coming up and playing Oh, that's small, good to hear. Small city <laughs> show and, you know, what to expect on a Sunday. But it was really fun and kind of like super kind of just raw hip-hop underground. There's like kind of a metalish screaming kind of act. And uh, nice. it was amazing. And it, it just kind of was like, this is dope. That kids are still out here. And they kids are traveling from BC to come to a show in Airdrie and just oh, wow. rock it for the love. And uh, they were playing a few shows out and about, but super talented. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was really where, cool. So, where was that show? Uh, it's called Wildcard Shack in Airdrie, and um, cool. actually really, really cool venue. They had it all decorated for Halloween, but uh, I was pretty surprised when I walked in there. I'm like, this was actually a dope venue, so maybe we'll we'll book something there. Aside from that, uh, I definitely got plans for the future, uh, near future, hopefully get some shows in Red Deer going and, uh, and around Alberta in the new year. Excuse me. Cool, cool. Yeah, because you've, aside from being the promoter and, creator of so many different shows across alberta you've mm-hmm. also done this bring your own bars thing um, yeah maybe talk about that for a little bit because that's such a cool totally. a cool event yeah that was uh yeah i mean something i, I want to bring back and that's something i was talking to, to des the, the boombox uh farms lady today yeah um was because that, that was kind of our brainchild and uh basically it's a live rap cipher where uh you have a pre-written uh, performance that uh, we've already decided beats and you get to hear those beats and write to. And then on the day of the event, you get basically one chance to step to the mic and just perform your 90 second verse type thing for the crowd and for judges. So it was always a live judge competition where uh, we try to give out some dope prizes and stuff for whoever ranks on top. And um, th- that's basically it. Uh, I'd like to try to get one again covid really got in the way because i was planning on doing one before everything got uh, crazy but uh mm-hmm. i think going into the new year depending on like the the laws in alberta and I, one thing is like we we actually were supposed to have a halloween show and half of our artists weren't vaccinated and able to play and we didn't think it was fair to be like hey pay for this um test and then come perform and you know hopefully we could pay you to even come here but like making yeah. them go in pocket so at least for that one because we didn't know what the scenario was it was like no we should we shouldn't do this show but going forward you know we gotta play it by the rules hopefully still keep music alive so that's what we'll be doing yeah the bring your own bars thing is such a cool way to get kids interested in rap and things involved in sort of a community and totally. i remember without having to have a full set of their own ready to perform yeah. and then yeah. they can just kind of come and try a track in a little totally. contest and see if they see what it's like being up there on stage a lot of these kids i remember it was their first time ever rapping yeah. into a microphone like, in front of people yeah i forget that that sometimes that it really is like there was their first times and it's funny because uh the show we went to uh this sunday um kid named weapon x and his his buddy put it on but uh shout out to weapon x it, it was his first time at the first bring your own bars cool. like came from calgary on a bus like had nowhere to go um but rocked the mic and I, I ended up driving him back to calgary the next day and uh just tell him like man if you want to pursue hip-hop like you can do it like look at what i did like this is the exact same situation so and that's what he did and he's the one that promoted the show uh on sunday and uh it was sick because he's he rocked the whole set with his buddy and they killed it and um huh, yeah wow. there was a lot there's a lot of rappers that, that that was their first thing and they're still making music today so shout out to anybody that's uh performed to bring your own bars i hope you can bring it back Totally. What a way to create community and to sort of keep that dwindling hip hop thing alive in, in the North here in Alberta. Totally. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. I might, uh, thinking of like, um, kind of a bring your own bar side project where, uh, 
we could just do some live like street type ciphers, maybe like not even with a mic, but just a, a decent camera and, and uh, like a setup mic for the cam, but not a uh, recording mic and, um, you know, kick live ciphers on the street and compile them and put them online just to kind of keep things oh, moving. Cool. But, uh, some, some street ciphers, but uh, we'll see, of course we got winter coming and doing things outside isn't fun. And then finding indoor places to be sometimes isn't easy either. So no, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, very cool. What do you think? Yeah. Um, what do you find important about like local hip hop that's often forgot about or disregarded when you kind of see all these kids working on it and the community sort of that floats yeah. around? Yeah, I think like this Sunday was a big reminder of that. Like it wasn't a big show we've played <laughs> for huge stages and big shows and how amazing that feels. But just doing a show for the love of making hip hop and you could tell that every performer even though there's like 10 people watching were, were like so stoked to be on stage and gave it their all no matter what and that's something we've always done so I think like having that outlet to perform you know people might look at hip-hop as like not the most Albertan thing to do but really there is a, an underground scene here that they do it because they love it and uh, it's the same thing we did and, and seeing a new generation of kids come up and doing the exact same thing it's super inspiring and uh, I think like we know how important that was for us when we were, you know, 20 years old and getting on stages and had a crazy time, you know, for the, yeah. for 10 years straight, whatever it was, but uh, seeing kids have that outlet uh, to do the same thing we did. It's uh, it's awesome. And I think it's super important because like without that, these are the same kids that if they don't have a creative outlet, they're going to find like a not so positively creative way to express themselves. I think a lot of them, and, and that's where things lead if they don't have music. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so honorable of you to recognize that now that you're an older person in the scene and to turn around and develop a space for that creative outlet is, is wicked. It's wicked. Totally. Yeah. Thanks. Well, we're, we we're kind of running out of time. I wonder if we should end it there because you, uh, you ended it on a strong note about the community. Yeah. And uh, look out for Nightmares 2 and I'll yeah. post all your information and... Good luck with the release, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming yeah. on the podcast. It's so good Thank talking you, to you. And if I could say one last thing, yeah, definitely check out the uh, the Indiegogo campaign because it's running till November thirtieth. Uh, and if yeah, if you want to support True Ability and myself, I really uh, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks.